Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Sonali Nijam is the creator of a new company called Pet Minded Travel, which helps to make things easier for people like us to research and book when traveling with their dogs. She was going through this process over and over when she adopted her dog, Ella, who had separation anxiety and needed to come with her on trips. So Sonali thought it would be a great tool and a great idea for other dog owners, and the decision to start this initiative has led her down a new and unexpected path. Sonali, welcome to Dog Save the People. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here, and thank you for coming to the studio. There's a lot of construction going on on this street, so I'm not sure if the listeners will hear that or not, but um, I'm I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm really excited. I listen to your podcast. It's always a really great story that I get to hear, so happy to be here. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a wonderful experience, and I've learned so much. Each person that I speak to has a beautiful story, and I learn something new about dogs, about people, their relationships, etc. So it's been a great experience for me. So tell me a little bit about where you're from. So I grew up in New Delhi, India, and lived there for the first 17 years of my life. I moved out to California for school, and the plan was to go back. uh, Back to India. Back to India. (laughs) And then I got a really great job offer that I couldn't refuse, so I moved up to the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, I was working there for about five years. And then I decided I wanted to see something different, experience something new. So I moved out to New York City for grad school, Mm -hmm. and I've been here coming on seven years now. Okay. And what were you studying? When did you come to New York to study? I came out to study health policy. This is around, um, you know, just a few years after Obamacare was passed, Mm -hmm. and I had been working at a biotechnology company, very intrigued by all the changes to the healthcare system, and just loved what what they were trying to put in place, a better healthcare system. So very idealistic. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and yeah, it was uh, it was actually a great program and really has sort of shaped my understanding of how even the government works and so many other things about the United States, which as someone who didn't grow up here, I would not have known. Right. And it healthcare is such a was such a hot topic, but such a confusing topic and so important because we're all dealing with stuff all the time. Yeah, it's I mean, I believe it's, you know, a human right. Absolutely. And for us to be educated about it is so important. Yeah, good for you. So growing up in India, did you have pets? I did, I did. Um, it's a running joke in my family that I would see the stray dogs on the street and uh-huh. always want to bring a puppy home. And I think my parents, who themselves are dog lovers and grew up with their own pet dogs, uh, they knew they couldn't encourage that because, you know, it wouldn't just be the one. It would right. be dozens. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we we weren't living in a giant house. We lived in an apartment. And so they really had to manage that. Um, so when I was about 10 years old, I got my first puppy. It was a shared dog. I had to share it with my little sister, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which caused a lot of angst between the two of us. Sure. But yeah, I am an introvert. And I think for me, having um, that puppy and um, and... Growing up with her became such a big part of my identity and being able to connect with animals. It absolutely is. And I I know for myself growing up with with dogs, it's a wonderful gift, I think, for parents who can do it to be Mm -hmm. able to give to their kids because it informs 
the children's lives in so many ways. Yeah, definitely. I think the great thing about having whatever kind of pet, but specifically I think to me a dog or a cat is they really do become, especially for children who are maybe more introverted yeah. or quiet, it just becomes a way to express yourself and your feelings and someone who gets you. I remember practicing public speaking in front of my dog. <laughs> and you know, she's a great listener. So I think Did she cock her head to the side. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but I definitely grew up with her thinking she was part of my family. Yeah. I referred to her as my sibling. Yeah. And I know when she passed away, it was probably the first time in my life that something like I felt like something was broken. But I still wouldn't trade that. You know, Absolutely. for anything. Yeah, it's part of, I mean, sadly, they don't have super long lives compared to us. So it's part of the contract when we have a, a pet that, that yeah. we're going to most probably have to say goodbye. And everybody that I talk to, most of the guests that I have on the show have gone through this. And it really, it's, it's, it's something that we all want our, when our pet, when it's time for them to go, we want to be there. We want to show a happy face. We want them to leave feeling loved and feeling safe. And, but it, Irregardless, it's it's a very difficult, heartbreaking experience, but I think that we all grow from it. Definitely. I think it really also in a way reminds you, you know, how precious family is. Yes. I recall she passed away when I was in college in mm -hmm. California, and I used to go home for most of the holidays. Right. But this was right before Thanksgiving and uh, going from San Diego to New Delhi was just not feasible. And so I didn't get to say goodbye. But I really think it was a growing up moment for me to recognize, you know, the importance of family and the importance of staying connected. And it's informed a lot of my adult life choices is to always take time if I know someone is going through something or to be there for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So you found love here in New York and you got married. Yes. Yes. Um, to a man who was highly allergic to my cat uh -huh. and to his credit, he knew that that would be a deal breaker <laughs> if he couldn't live with a cat. So, and you know, she was old and there was no way that I could give her up. Right. And so we lived together and then unfortunately she passed away about two and a half years ago. Okay. And so from there you decided, or you started thinking about a dog. Yeah, you know, that was always the plan. So my husband didn't grow up with pets, but he has friends with pets and I think he's an only child. And Where did he grow up? So he's of Indian origin, but he grew up in Abu Dhabi in the Middle oh, wow. East. His parents are doctors that moved out there when he was oh, quite cool. young. And then very similar to me, he moved out to the US for college. And I think he has always very much thought of the United States as home and, you know, because he thinks he spent all his formative years here. But I think for us, that was always a plan that as a family unit, we would have pets and eventually children. Yes. I guess out of respect for the kitty as she was getting older, we just wanted to give her like all the love and attention of we course. could. But after she passed away, I think I had such a deep sense of loss in my life. And now looking back, I realized there are so many resources a city like New York offers for someone who is grieving a pet. Yes. And I was really lucky to have found some of those because to me it was, yeah, it was someone in my family had passed away and then there were not always a lot of people to talk to about that. Yeah. And it is, it's a very, very real loss. And a lot of people, I, I imagine 
and I've had this experience when somebody doesn't have a pet or is not a pet owner or an animal lover per se, they don't understand that that kind of loss. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think in so many ways, I've come to notice in the past few years as, you know, adulthood, <laughs> they really anchor us in some ways. Yes. You know, as an immigrant, I have family here, but my closest family still lives abroad. Yes. And she was my family for a long time. All the ups and downs, bad dates, difficulties <laughs> in my job, you know, and there's so many things. And sometimes I joke to people and say, she helped me weed out the not so great guys. Yeah. You know, because exactly. I ended up with someone who, yeah, he's, you know, he wasn't a cat lover, but he was like, okay. And, you know, he made this extra effort for our relationship, which meant so much. It's beautiful. So I felt, I think, for a little while that I'd lost that anchor. Yes. But then I also, I think, instinctively knew that that's like a piece in my heart that's reserved for yes. like my little four-legged friends. <laughs> and that, that would be the only way I could sort of heal that moving forward. Absolutely. And so moving forward, you found a dog by the name of Ella. Yes. So I think about eight or nine months after um, the kitty passed away, it was kind of like an ache. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, you see other people with their pets and I knew we couldn't have another cat, but I'd also always wanted a dog. So it felt right. It felt like we had we had mourned her sufficiently and it was time. And since my husband has never had a dog before, I was like, you know, let's let's get a sense for what would work well for both of our lifestyles because we both have busy um, jobs and so forth. We decided to foster. And so I kind of scoured New York City's sort of rescue organizations and so forth. And I found two rescues that I thought were doing a great job. They were bringing in these dogs from high kill shelters in the South. And I applied and it was actually quite a rigorous process <laughs> to get approved. But um, so we started fostering and uh, we're such a cliche, but <laughs> I still remember the day. We both went to Boris and Horton and there's a van that gets parked outside of Boris and Horton and my husband is carrying this carrier because they told us what size of dog we would get as our first foster and we're both like sort of waiting and we don't know what to do and we finally go up to this woman who has got like a board with her and she's uh, she's like oh you guys are fostering cool okay just go stand in that corner and we're just waiting 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 and then 15 or 20 minutes later this woman walks out of the truck with this like really jumpy little dog and she looked so afraid and i was i looked at my husband i was like i think that's that's our foster and he's like uh she looks really terrified and i was like well she's been on this truck for 48 hours yeah and the funny thing is like we put her in the carrier and my husband looks at me he's like let's keep her <laughs> and i was like no you said you wanted a beagle type dog you want a bigger dog you're just feeling emotional and he's a very analytical person uh -huh. so i was like i mean this is weird like i think you're just feeling like because she's so like nervous and right. it just feels like so sad to see her so nervous and you know terrified so we bring her home and it was true she was terrified of everything yeah but she felt sick and we were caring for her during that time. And then at some point, 
you know, you're not supposed to foster for too long. And I think that's the right way to do it because otherwise you could get attached. Yes, absolutely. But because she felt sick, she stayed with us a little bit longer. So when they asked us, hey, can you like sign her up for adoption, like for this event? I was like, I can't do that. So we kept her. (laughs) That's wonderful. But yeah, she's actually done reasonably well over the past year and a half. She has some tummy issues and so forth, mm-hmm. but there are some really funny things and cute things about her. Like clearly she's from Texas. She loves red meat. <laughs> um, one time we were walking her and she started following this guy <laughs> on the street. And then finally he turns around. He's like, oh, I just, I'm bringing home ribs. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. So we just have these that's funny. hilarious. Like, yeah. These funny moments with her sometimes. She needs little cowboy boots. Oh my gosh. That's what we should do for <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> And you had mentioned that she was afraid or she she has a, an issue with men. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, again, I have to credit my husband. <laughs> he has been working so hard. And sometimes it's so hard because she's so cute and he just wants to go pick her up yeah, and, course. you know, give her a big old hug. And that would terrify her. But we've gotten to a point where he, so he's, I'm a vegan and he's full on carnivore. Uh-huh. So she knows where the good stuff yeah, comes exactly. from. Yeah, exactly. And food is like the this the gateway drug. Yeah, to yeah. Love. So she knows she knows you have to go to dad. Yeah. For meats. Yeah. And I think slowly she is. I have noticed over time where there is when he comes home, she's happy. When she he goes away for a trip, but I think the first time that that happened, he was like, "Will she even care that I am gone?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. I think she does now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. It's hard not to take it personally, but I think that's great. Just being patient and eventually, you know, she'll slowly relax and Mm -hmm. with enough uh, red meat in in (laughs) his pocket. Yes. And so with Ella, um, you had mentioned as well that she developed or showed anxiety around separation. Yeah. We actually discovered this also while we were fostering. Mm -hmm. Um, So she... My job um, was flexible in the sense I could come home during the day to check on her even while we were fostering, but I have a webcam and I could see that she would cry for hours after we left. She wasn't destructive, but there was just like this wailing type of howling going on. And one day one of my neighbors down the hall asked, she's like, is this dog unwell or what's going on? And I was, you know, because... In New York, you don't want to be bothering your neighbors. No, they not all at all. Live so close together, yes. and she was very kind about it. And I realized that people could hear it all the way down the hall. And we asked the rescue, and they said, "Well, let's try working with a trainer and seeing if you can, while you're fostering her, sort of help to manage it before she goes up for adoption." But when we worked with the trainer, the trainer said, "This is going to take take some work." Yeah. And so it's lessened over time. I think she feels more secure. She knows she's not being abandoned, but it's part of her personality. Mm-hmm. And we've chosen not to treat it with drugs. Good. You know, the idea is that we can sort of figure out ways to make her feel more comfortable, whether that means, you know, bringing her places on the subway, traveling with her, and, you know, everything in between, like leaning into like friends and family to help out. Yes. Um, and she's she's doing better. That's great. So speaking of traveling, tell me about traveling with Ella. Yeah. So <laughs> traveling with Ella is, honestly, it's such a fun thing. Um, I think one of the reasons 
my husband and I, you know, we're in a relationship is one of the reasons because we, we love traveling. Uh -huh. He is more of like a road trip guy. He loves getting in the car and driving places. I don't like cruises, but I, I love air travel, train yes. travel, I'll do any of those. And so that's always been like one of the things that he and I would do together. And we realized when we chose to keep her that we would have to figure out a way to manage that piece. And we knew also like very realistically, you were not gonna bring her on every single trip. Right. But as long as she can come on some of those, that would be such a great extension of like our experience with Absolutely. her. So we started off very small. We just would take her upstate. And it was so amazing to see. She is such a happy little dog. I remember last Labor Day, we were um, with a group of friends and again, she's terrified of the guys and like <laughs> hiding in this house, but you let her out and there were deer on the property and she's like chasing after them and this super confident dog. Oh, I love it. And it's such a joy. And you know, that's like how I feel. I was like, this is my parenting moment. This is how I want, like all my children to be. <laughs> so then, you know, we realized that it's actually totally doable. She enjoys it. It's not something we are forcing on her. And she would rather be with us. Yeah. And you know, she's been on planes now and she's a happy little traveler. She, it's funny, she clings to her dad on the plane a little oh, bit. Interesting. It's kind of an interesting thing. We're not able to figure out why. Right. But she seems, feels more secure, um, like with him. And she's gone as far as LA. So she's done, like that's the longest flight she has done. She was super well behaved and got to go to the beach and just had a good old time. Los Angeles is a very dog friendly city. Yes, it sure is. And so she's, you know, we say she's really like, we've been pleasantly surprised. That's great. And this has somehow inspired your next steps in, in your life, in your career. Yeah, it has, it has. You know, going back to, you know, just when I would travel with the cat, which was more driven by the fact that I was a grad student and if I was going somewhere for two to three weeks, just bringing the kitty with me while she could do it just was like a no brainer. Absolutely. Um, from a financial standpoint and also a little bit of like that anxiety that you yeah. feel when you leave sure. them behind. But I was like, you know what, I've done this before. This, this is not hard to do. It just requires preparation and so forth. And what I realized was um, when we would bring Ella, people would ask questions. They would say, isn't it scary? Aren't you worried she will have an accident? Or how do you prep her? Do you know if it's good for her? And that was a time in my life where I was trying to figure out like what's next for my career. And this idea came to me, people love their pets like family. Yes. And people really want to have more and more meaningful experiences, right? And just the way like a lot of uh, parents of human children probably um, struggle with figuring out how to vacation or to even in their own city or in, you know going upstate from New York, they probably struggle with figuring that piece out. I was curious if dog owners specifically also face that problem. So I spoke to about 200 people uh, over a course of a few months to ask them about their life with their dog and you know have they thought about travel what are their anxieties and so often people would say things like i would love to do it i just feel so anxious because i don't know if i show up to a hotel and they say no at the last minute right. where would i what go do yeah so that was really the the sort of seed of the idea to create a resource for people who want to travel with pets 
and to sort of arm them with the right information, but also connect them with places that would welcome them. And a lot of times these are smaller businesses that are very happy to have another pet owner come and stay. And you know, there's always obviously rules and etiquette, but just that personal touch that you can um, create with like with that dog and it's like a connection point with that Airbnb host or even with a local B&B, people really seem to crave that. So that's, that's the business now. Uh, we are travel planners. Fantastic, and the name of the business is? Pet-Minded Travel. And yeah, it's for people who are pet minded and you know have their pets forefront and they also want to travel. Yeah. The website's amazing. It's petmindedtravel.com. Yes. And I was looking on it this morning um, and just so you have, well, the one that I was looking at was New York City and you gave some great tips about different hotels, restaurants that are pet friendly, mm -hmm. things to do with your pets, and then you cover different cities. Yes. So. You know, right now the goal is really to sort of send people to places that we have been ourselves. And in the future, the idea is to then recruit people, local dog moms and cities that can give really like the on the ground recommendations. So what we do is we create these itineraries and when you go there, you know where to stay, where to eat, what dog friendly activities there are so you don't have to leave the dog in the hotel or the Airbnb and also okay I have a fine dining reservation because I'm in New York City right so who is the best person who can watch my dog for three hours or maybe just take them to the park That's amazing. Um, just to make that process simple and fun and safe yes you know because people worry like if you're gonna bring your dog to a different city what happens when you're not in the room uh, or what happens if you have to board them at a random facility that you've never seen before so our goal is really we do that vetting and that research for people so that when they get there, peace of mind. You don't have to worry about it. That's amazing. And so right now you're focusing mostly in United States. Yes. So, you know, I think as a, as a dog parent, I want to feel good about my recommendations of the service that we provide. I um, think the US has so much to offer. Mm -hmm. There is so many dog friendly places and there's some really off the beaten path ideas that we've shared with people now, um, you know, all the way from like very luxurious to go glamping with your dog <laughs> and you know, everything in between. So for now, the focus is really do a good job with the US yeah. and then hopefully expand elsewhere. Yes, I love it. So what are your future goals for pet minded travel? So the goal really is twofold. We're trying to plan as many trips as possible for people, really. Um, you know, we wanna get people going on vacations, telling us about it, having, having a great time, because that's really, I think I wanna build out a community of people, of pet travelers, and be like their resource. I would say a secondary goal is really working with local businesses in New York City to promote them as dog friendly. So a few months ago, we hosted something called New York City Dog Restaurant Week, which was the first oh, time. Wow. Um, yeah. For, what a great idea. <laughs> frankly, it came out of people's feedback. You know, people would say, locals would say at the dog park, hey, I don't even know where I can take my dog out to dinner. Yeah. So, you know, if I could do that and make sure my dog does well in that situation, I would love to consider travel. And I said, yes, there is something here because mm -hmm. why should it be an anxiety inducing thing to show up and then get turned away? Right. 
So we went out and we recruited um, about 17 restaurants and said, hey guys, you have a patio. You know the health code in New York City allows for you to have dogs on the patio. Would you be willing to participate? And it was really interesting. Some of these restaurants already had dog-friendly menus. So they have an exact menu for dogs. Oh my God. But they're not promoting themselves. Uh -huh. And you know, that's I think the challenge of being a small business owner. Sure. So I said, cool, like come on board. Let's design this whole week. It was eight days and people offered different perks. And for the businesses that really wanted to participate but didn't have a menu, they ended up offering a human perk. And then we also collected donations actually for Ella's rescue. Muddy paws through that process. And everyone had a great old time. And you know, we, we were so amazed. The New York Times called us, Time Out called us. And we had not really hoped for this to be like a big deal because it was the first time. But it really proved to me, people want these experiences. Yes. And so if businesses can sort of put themselves forward and build a good relationship with the dog parent, I feel if a place treats my dog well, I'll go back even when I can't bring her. Absolutely. Right? Because I had such a great experience. You made me feel so good. You made me feel so cared for. That's so great. I have three dogs. And so I find that really the only way that I can bring them with me, I have to drive with them, which is fine. Sometimes it can get a little bit long in the car for both of us. But I do find that on the road, typically I'll find hotels that are not the nicest hotels and they're, they really are the only ones that will let me bring my dogs in. But I know that there are these little gems all across the country that are much nicer places to stay that are pet friendly. And so a source like your company is, is like the perfect antidote for us pet lovers who travel and want to get on the road with our dogs. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I totally believe that. I think there are so many, again, a lot of small businesses, smaller hotels, boutique hotels, and inns and Airbnbs yeah. that love our pets and they're happy to accommodate. And we really want to be that point of connection to recommend those people who are in it because they truly love your dog yeah. versus people who are like, oh, this is good for business. Right, and I love the idea that you are really focusing on smaller businesses because they can use all the help that they can get mm -hmm. as well. And it just, it's like a win-win. So we can find you online at PetMindedTravel.com yeah. and then also on Instagram, Facebook, Yes, on Instagram, we are at PetMinded, and also on Facebook. Okay. Uh, if you Facebook PetMinded, uh, we would come up. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Sonali. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I loved hearing how Sonali was going through this experience with traveling alongside Ella and seeing the difficulty level raised by traveling with a dog and sought out to make something that could help other people because it was work that she found interesting to do. I really think that sometimes those surprise ideas that come to us out of necessity can ultimately lead to the best routes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. 
You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.